Jati I. Laranar, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Global Water Initiative, Implications of Climate Change and Variability on African Water Resources uh, podcast series today. Uh, we're in the first day of this three-day uh, conference at Downing College at yes. Cambridge University. That's right. What particular interest have you taken in climate change? I know your expertise is very much monsoon variability and predictability. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, of late, you've heard of serious problems with uh, floods and droughts over Africa. And we've been studying this thing for quite a while now. We've done climate change, we run climate change scenarios, and we've seen that these extreme weather events are going to affect the lives of our people. And that's why it's important that this conference is being held here. And what have your studies shown? Have you, I know that you've been looking at, at the data you've been collecting from just uh, the different monsoons, how they vary, and, and, and thinking about what might be causing these variations. Yeah, actually, the variability is very, very, very serious. It's absolutely serious. If you look at the onset dates, sometimes, maybe in one year, there will be an onset date which is two or three weeks later than the previous year. That means all the planning that the farmer has done goes to waste. Also, there are four starts of the rainfall, and when the farmer plants and there's a false start. The farmer loses all the economic resources that he or she has because the livelihood depends on rain-fed agric. So these studies have been going on and we've been advising our farmers on these things. And you work for the Ghana uh, Meteorological Agency. It it must be very important for your agency to study this data and, and for the farmers to know very quickly what the results are and what next year's weather may be. Yes, um, we have seasonal forecasting that we do. We normally issue it around March, telling them when the rains will start, whether there will be normal rains or below normal rains, whether there are incidences of drought in certain areas, so that they will be forewarned. And we also network with the Ministry of Agric, where they try to get a tree, a crop species that are... Uh, what do you call uh, resistant to drought, so that short-yielding crop varieties, so that in the case of a drought, at least they can still harvest something. And, and you know, broadening the argument out now, what impact do you think climate change and climate variability is having on water resources globally? It's absolutely terrible because um, you look you look at uh, the climate change tells you the uncertainty in the availability of water resources in fresh water water bodies. That means potable drinking water is diminishing. And because of land use change, all the water that comes down goes as runoff into the lakes and rivers, which are already polluted. And so the access to water is becoming much of a problem in Africa because of climate change. And then you've got other parts of Africa which are being flooded, the juxtaposition of the two. Yes, yes, yes. When I was coming, 
Um, we had reports from Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso, just contiguous to Ghana, the northern borders of Ghana, where it rained about 300 millimeters in a day and displaced so many people. So what they did was they have a dam, which they had to open because the dam was full. And the northeastern part of Ghana also had floods. So what happens upfield affects us downfield in Ghana. And why is it that the African regions are so vulnerable? You see, climate change is showing that in the tropics there will be serious extreme weather events. That's what the studies indicate, the IPCC report. It indicates that in the tropics, because there's so much heat, the heat in the system will evaporate the water bodies and then there will be huge cloud developments bringing heavy precipitation lightning and thunder in certain areas and dry, dryness in other areas because the atmosphere model just breaks down. Do you think public policies can be devised that really help to alleviate these shortages? We've seen at the conference today there's lots of different approaches to get to, to uh, a climate uh, that is sustainable in the world, one that doesn't threaten us, that we have these great variations. Surely it's a tall order to say we're going to devise a global public policy or public policies that work towards global sustainability. Yeah, I think these policies have to be customized regionally. And um, I think water harvesting is a very good idea if we have to do it. Like if you have a building code, if you are going to put up your building, Make sure your roof harvests water and you store it under your building. You use it throughout the year. You don't need the government to provide you portable water. The construction of small dams, the use of small irrigation schemes can help our farmers in times of water stress. So it's very much like a patchwork quilt. You can have different approaches, not just in different countries, but in different parts of the same countries it really is localism while thinking of the problems globally to work locally to solve them yeah it is a, a, a local problem it's a local problem and you see with these these risks you have to learn from the adaptation of the locals themselves how they've been adapting to this change and then you repackage it and get them involved so that you can mitigate the climate change and how does academic and scientific research, like we've seen at this com conference, feed into the public policy making for sustainable development? Well, in Africa, it's a bit more difficult because um, when I was coming, there was a budget hearing, for instance, and uh, when we talked of buying a radar which could give us the amount of precipitable water vapor in a cloud, you can forecast the amount of precipitation over the particular area. They, they, they were asking how much money that can bring, but they were not asking how many lives that can save. So policies need to, the policymakers need to be educated on climate change issues so that they can incorporate it into policy. Now, you very much talked about that, you know, the local initiatives, learning from what people are, are doing locally and watching what they're doing locally rather than imposing solutions. But could that work with a regional uh, policy could you, you could you coordinate all those local approaches uh, regionally to get sustainable uh, environments um, regionally it would be difficult because 
what pertains to maybe Manchester here might be difficult implementing it in, uh, let's say, Reading, because there are different settings. But we could package them together and let them learn from each other what others are doing. If they try it and it works, fine. But to enforce or force them to maybe adapt using a particular uh, scenario is, is not the best way out. So you don't think we could have regional climate initiatives? Regional climate initiatives, yes, we can, but that is the forecasting aspect of it, where you can forecast the extreme events. But the adaptation aspect, you cannot have a regional plan. So what do you think the problems are to, to be overcome? I mean, we, we talked about your research and how, you know, just a, a month's difference in, in terms of the monsoons and the variability can make a difference to de- destroying uh, the crops. You know, are, are there sort of certain problems that you think can be overcome, that we can solve this if we do that? Well, yes. Um, the greenhouse gas emissions, we need to reduce them. We need to do reforestation. We need to sensitize the public on how to take care of the environment. And we need to do tree planting. If you plant a tree, I mean, you, you save so, so many lives because you create a microclimate. You know, the forests are a sink to carbon dioxide, the residence time of which is about 15 years in the atmosphere. And it warms the atmosphere so much that it creates this imbalance in the climate system. You talked about the imbalance and and solving that sort of our carbon uh, emissions. But but do you think that we're likely to get specific applications out of um, scientific partnerships like we're seeing emerging at these conferences? Can we talk about solutions or is that to blue sky. Oh, yes, absolutely, because, you know, Africa lacks capacity in developing these climate models. And the advanced countries like here, most of them have so much capacity. So if we collaborate, that will be very fine because we take the knowledge back and then we, it's like a learner's teaching, teaching out of learning. I mean, that sort of thing. You replicate the knowledge in wherever you are, and then you build capacity so that we understand climate change and disaster risk reduction. So actually people might take the knowledge back from here and find different ways to apply it in different countries. It hasn't got to be one size fits all in terms of a solution. Not at all, not at all. We, you, you apply it differently depending on where you are coming from. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Do you think change is going to happen soon enough or, or will we, like in our film that's going around the cinemas now, The Age of Stupid, um, actually, is it all too late already? Um, I think it's good that we are talking about it. If we start doing something about it, we might just be able to mitigate the changes that we are seeing. We might be able to get somewhere. So I think... Let's start talking about it, and the ideas will flow, and then we'll mitigate it. And, of course, at conferences like this, you get an energy to make that difference. Absolutely. You get all the people coming on board with the same idea and rolling around the problem to see the solutions, and it's really fascinating. 
Jiwata, I've learned a great deal. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Global Water Initiative, Implications of Climate Change and Variability on African Water Resources podcast series today. Thank you very much. You're welcome.